Okay, I think I'm on. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is uh, Bruce Brown. I am blessed to be. <laughs> All right now, I am blessed to be an elder here in this church, I'm not just blessed to be Bruce, so I know at least one other person can confirm that that is awesome in itself, but no, I am blessed to be here in this church and I am blessed to be able to serve in a leadership role and uh, blessed that I have such a wonderful, loving, kind family here to encourage and lift me up, to point to me when I have goofed up, and uh, help me uh, get straight and get going where I need to go. Uh, this morning, as I walked in and uh, was walking back to the kids area like I usually do, I was met by uh, Adam's son, Titus, and he proclaimed to me very proudly, you're not teaching me today. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you're right. I get to teach the big kids in the big church today. So for those of you who may not quite feel it, you are a big kid today. I was going to ask a quick question here. Uh, what is a disciple? A disciple is simply someone who follows. Now, we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to talk about specifically being a spirit-led disciple. And there's a huge difference between just being a disciple and a spirit-led disciple. So... If you would, let's open our book, our Bibles, up to Acts chapter 9, and we're going to read from verse 32 through 43, and they should also be up here on the, the screens, if you like. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. And in those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, when they had walked, okay, I'm sorry. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. And the windows stood beside the widows, stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was still with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, 
Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it was known, became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. If you would uh, join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, we praise your name. We praise you because you are worthy, Lord. We are not. Lord, today I ask that uh, you empty us of ourselves and fill us with your spirit. That your words do not fall on fallow ground, but that you enrich it and that it grows within us and that we become closer to you, Lord, and closer to what you have made us to be. As we uh, look into the, to, uh, these passages and into Peter, the uh, disciple that this uh, focuses on, Lord, I pray that our focus is on you, just as his was. In your name I pray, amen. Now this passage marks the first time that anyone besides Jesus, raises another human being from death. And it establishes, establishes even more profoundly that God's power to save is granted to Jesus' followers by Jesus through this Spirit. It also established Peter as the most trustworthy leader in the community. And in scenes to come, it will be Peter who makes the move to include the Gentiles, not only among the baptized, but also in the community that eats and prays together. Establishing Peter as trustworthy and spirit-filled is necessary to the passages that follow this one. Let's see how Peter got into this position. First of all, let's look at who Peter was. We know that he was a fisherman off the Sea of Galilee with his brother and some other friends, uh, John and James, they fished together. He was very gruff. He was uh, unkept and at times quite vulgar. And he was also fearless. To fish upon the Sea of Galilee, you had to be fearless. The weather on that sea was a lot like Arkansas. You never knew what was coming. <laughs> he was also a very passionate, emotional man. And as we'll see, he seemed to always have an opinion. He was also married. And it's believed he was a follower of John the Baptist. Now, Peter, uh, on paper, he looked pretty good. But at this time, he was a sinner, just like we all once were and still are. We all have a past, and that past before we met Christ is a past full of sin. And it's full of doubt, pain, and regret. In some of our past, we are very ashamed of in front of God and others. And we want to bury that pain and hide it away. But when we meet Christ, there's a better way. And that's where we go into who is Peter now. We can see Peter meeting Christ. Christ calls him. And we see Peter's character take shape once he meets him. 
And Jesus calls out to him and his brother while they're out fishing and uh, calls them to him to follow him. And they do. And in Luke 5, 8, it tell, Peter tells us that he knows that he is sinful and he doesn't deserve to be in his presence. He tells him to go away because he was a sinful man. And just like us, I know personally uh, there's times that I did not want to know about Christ. I did not know, want to know Jesus because it would mean a change. It would mean I knew that I was dirty and full of sin. And my soul was black. But we start seeing the change in Peter's life after he had met Christ. We know that he was also the first one to recognize Jesus as the Son of God in Matthew 16. And that he was very confident of who Jesus was and very protective. In the garden, he was uh, pulled a sword on a band of soldiers and cut off somebody's ear. That takes a lot of guts. We also know that uh, he was a very emotional man. And even though after denying Christ three times, Peter still loves Jesus and he wants, to, wants him to be his master. And Peter is the one that when they were fishing after uh, Jesus had died on the cross and they knew he was resurrected, they didn't know where he was, so they went back to fishing and somebody yells at them, hey, throw the nets over the other side and the nets are filled and John says, I think that's Jesus. And it was Peter who, uh, over the side, he goes, and he swims up to see Jesus. And Peter is also the one that Jesus had a heart-to-heart -to -heart to with. And he knew that uh, Peter was still suffering from the denial that he had, he had uh, faced, that uh, he had uh, placed upon Jesus, saying he did not know him when they confronted him on the, the uh, night that he was arrested. And so Jesus, Jesus talked to him and encouraged him and lifted him up and let him know that uh, he was something much more. And Jesus chose Peter because Peter also took, he took adversity and trials and the mistakes that he made and he encountered. And he continued to love Jesus without hesitation. And he did not allow these, these things, these past sins, to defeat him, but use them to change altogether from an arrogant man to a humble disciple. Jesus had changed Simon's name to Peter or Cephas, which means rock. And yet we see Peter struggle to become what he was made or shaped by God to be. And like, and like Peter, our present journey to walk with Christ bumps into our sinful past. And we all have moments and times that we have to confess that these times, these, these sinful past to, to Christ, to ourselves, to others, so that we can move forward and become what God has made us to be. Peter refused his past, and uh, he did not allow his sins to haunt him, and he did not let them to continue to hold power over. 
So this goes into who will Peter be? Peter, all through the first five chapters of Acts, we see the evidence of Peter becoming a spirit-led disciple. We see him becoming the rock that Christ told him that he would be. And see God work in and through Peter's life. In chapter 2, we see him filled with other disciples with the Holy Spirit to where he was the first to speak out and present the gospel. In chapter 3, we see him with John heal a lame beggar in the tabernacle. He told them, I have no gold, I have no silver, but this is what I do have. And he shared it. And through Peter and John, Christ worked a miracle. And others believed. And they continued to preach in that tabernacle. And then in chapter 4, because of this, they annoyed some people. And with John, they were detained by the Sadducees. And they were able to proclaim the gospel to the rulers, the elders, and the scribes of the tabernacle. Making sure that they knew what the good news was. And they were, even though they were threatened and told, you've got to stop this, they said, no, we're not going to obey men. We're going to obey God. And this is what God has told us to do. And then in chapter 5, through Ananias and Sapphira, it shown, were shown not to test the Spirit, but to allow the Spirit to inhabit us and to, and to lead us. And Peter, you can see Peter doing that. In fact, he was so well thought of there in Jerusalem that people would bring their sick, their afflicted, that hopefully just this shadow would pass over them so they might be healed. And many were healed by the disciples, by Peter and John and James and all of them. And he had allowed himself to be humbled enough that when he was arrested and he was beaten for speaking the gospel, that he counted it joy. For his trials and tribulations, he would count them as joy because he knew that they were refining his character, refining who he was and what he could do or what God can do through him. And now in chapter 9, we find him outside of Jerusalem fulfilling God's commandment to take the word outside of Jerusalem. And he is tending to the believers and trying to spread the gospel. And in verses 32 and 35, he is in Lydda, and he, he meets this man, Ananias, who for eight years had not been able to walk, paralyzed. He has been paralyzed. And... You know, when I first started looking at this, I thought, oh man, this is just old hat for these guys. This is something they've done before. But as I have dug down into these scriptures and into the backdrop of, of Peter's life, this is so much more. Because this is Peter opening up himself and emptying himself of Peter and humbling himself to where the Spirit can fill him and that Christ will work through him. And he did with Ananias, eight years not walking to where he's up again. 
and walking through this town and people can say, hey, wait a second. That's Ananias. What's he doing walking? How is he walking again? And there was the opportunity for him to spread the gospel, to tell others of the good news. And then it says, all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. So God worked this miracle through Peter so that other people will come to know him. And in my mind, that's even the, the greatest miracle is the, tur- is the turning of a life from a life of sin into a life of following Christ. And then we see, we, we are starting to see the undeniable evidence of Peter becoming this disciple. And in verses 36 through 42, we see that he was called by jo- to Joppa by some distraught followers, some other saints. There was a woman, Dorcas or Tabitha, who was, a, who was it, and it says, a disciple of Christ, that she had died. Dorcas is an example of living out one's faith. Uh, we assume she was single. It never mentions she was married. But she lived a life of serving others. She made clothes for the widows, make sure that they were clothed. You know, being a widow back in those times was very rough and tough. If you didn't have family to take care of you, you were on your own with no way to make income. And so she was seeing the least of the society being clothed and attending to their physical needs as well as telling them the joy that she had inside of her. And she was a woman that was loved by her church family very much. We can see that because this seeming expectation of these disciples going to Peter and hoping they, they told him to come. She was already dead. So they, they had the hope that Peter might raise her from the dead. And that speaks volumes about the understanding of Christians in that time period that the Holy Spirit was actually working through the apostles. They knew it was not the men, but what was inside the men. Peter fully understood who he was, who he is, and who he could be. And this is evident by his actions here. He had cleared the room, and he reached out and submitted to the one who in all things are possible. You know, I really would like to know what Peter prayed that day. It, it just says he prayed, and it didn't mention what he said. If I were to guess... I think that he prayed that God would be glorified for whatever happened there that day. And verses 40 through 42 tells us what did happen. And God was glorified through this. And many came to believe in him again. Again, I think the greater miracle is the changing of the lives. Peter did not allow his past to dictate his present. He allowed God to work through him then 
And God still works through Peter now. Because here we are reading about him and what God has worked through him. And we should do the same. Refining ourselves through Bible study, prayer, and holding ourselves accountable to each other. Our future should be in God's hands and not our own. You would have think Peter would have reached the apex of discipleship now. Here he's done something that no one else has done other than Christ. But God wasn't through with him yet. In verse 43, we, we hear that he stayed in Joppa for many days, and who he had stayed with was Simon, a tanner. And back in those days, if you were Jewish, you could not be a tanner handling the dead skins of animals. So it's a setup. God is not done with Peter. He still has many things left to go to do to spread out and glorify God with. You know, in preparing for this lesson, I was struck by how similar Peter's life was to mine. We both have a past. We both were sinners, vile, vulgar, far away from God as you possibly could be. We both have a present where we're being refined by our, in our character by trying to lead and live a spirit-led life. And that was, you know, that was done by meeting Christ. Christ met me just like he met Peter. And he called me to him and to follow him, to glorify him. In my future, God will use me. The question is how much and in what ways and how much will I humble myself before the Lord and how much I will listen to him and obey. How badly do I or do you want to become a spirit-led disciple? It's... It, I see Peter, and I see what he was. I see who he had become. It gives me hope. And that hope is not found in Peter, but the one who changed Peter. And that's in Jesus, the Son of God, who Peter was the first disciple to proclaim. And I ask myself, How often do I proclaim that? Is it on a daily basis? Is it only on a Sunday? Is it everybody I meet? Do they see it? Is it evident? Or do I have to say it so they'll know it? Am I allowing myself to be spirit-led disciple? Or am I just following a crowd? You would bow your heads. Lord God, we thank you for your words. We thank you for this living, breathing document that you have for us. 
that you use it to refine us, to teach us, to make us closer to what you have, have created us to be. <coughs> and Lord, we thank you for your son and that he died on that cross to pay for the sins that we could not. Lord, we just praise your name. And Lord, I pray that uh, as we leave here today, we look, we look at this life that Peter has led and the things that he has accomplished, the things that you accomplished through him. And I pray that our lives will be changed and more open and more geared to glorifying you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you.